After a two-week break, the boys are back in town. Sports Blogger Podcast Episode 12 is back. Um, we still don't have any sponsors. Uh, we could use some sponsors. So Cape Cod Chips, I know you're hiding in the corner. Uh, just come on out and uh, got a great interview on tap. So we'll get it going. All right, we welcome in Braden Horn of FantasySportsAdvice.com and the owner of DailyRotoHelp.com. Welcome, Braden. Thank you guys for having me. So uh, quickly, we just want to let everyone know about your site on Sports Blog and the one that you own. So do you want to explain it to uh, the listeners? Yeah, so it's been around on SportsBlog.com for pushing two and a half years, FantasySportsAdvice.SportsBlog.com, and honestly... I couldn't think of another, a shorter name, so I just went with that name, and I was just doing fantasy advice, um, and at the time, I was able to play DFS uh, without being banned in the state, so I just started it. Once the ban hammer came down, unfortunately, I wanted to continue it because I had a lot of followers, so I started doing articles, I started doing optimal lineups, that got me enough revenue to launch DailyRotoHub.com, where now we bring... Uh, optimal lineups we have cheat sheets we have a what i like is a i don't know if you guys have checked it out lately but a weather tab uh, especially helpful for the mlb it's got every single stadium and it weather updated per hour so um, i feel like it's a one-stop dfs shop for people uh, not only with articles football basketball baseball but optimal lineups um, results and what i think dailyrotohub.com does probably more than other sites more than other uh, set lineup sellers. If you guys go check out Twitter, Instagram, they're they're only showing you the their winning lineups. They're going to say, "Oh, we scored 250 fantasy points." They're not going to show you the losing lineups. We actually show you all of our lineups that we put out there, so everyone can see. Yeah, we're normal. We we're, we're cashing at 70. percent We also lose, but we win more than we lose. So that's what I think differentiates DailyRotoHelp.com from just just the run-of-the-mill pop-up sites that you see every single day. Just a quick note on uh, Braden's sports blog site. Personally, it's the first one that I've seen where if you go to the profile page, it crack, it's cracked a million views on the site, which I think is really cool. Um, but you'll definitely uh, see it if you ever go to the home page because it's usually always on the, uh, the top of the charts. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. It's uh, Football's right around the corner. we got a couple preseason games left before the real thing, and that means that most likely about to start up your fantasy football season and prepare for the draft. So, Braden, we're going to start with your sleepers for the upcoming year. Who do you have? Well, I guess if I think a nice sleeper, um, depending on what position you want to go on, I think Frank Gore is an interesting pick just because we saw what he did last year. It was nothing. Um, he had running back depth behind him. He had competition. Uh, Andrew Luck was down. He had to go through terrible quarterback after terrible quarterback. The wide receivers for the Colts, they are I, hands down one of the fastest core there. So if they can get up a ton, you're going to see Andrew Luck. He's going to dump it off to Frank Gore all the time. Um, and, I, I mean, you can get him for extremely low price. I think he's a sleeper. Um, I think a lot of people will be off of him. You might you might even be able to pick him up off the waiver wire certain uh, leagues. Um, I don't know if he'll even go drafted. I really like him um, as just an off-the-wall running back pick that I don't think a lot of people will be on. Um, a wide receiver, Sterling Shepard, just been lighting it up. Uh, Devin Funchess, if he stays healthy, Kelvin Benjamin's back. Um, 
it's Josh Gordon, maybe. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, we'll see. He can't stop smoking weed, so I don't even know uh, what he will be up to. But um, the, the one I think people will not be thinking about because he's like 47 years old is Frank Gore. And he has one of the best low rank to go up high just because uh, people are going to say the Colts offense is going to throw the ball a ton. But if they get up a ton, they're going to run that ball and – if you look at their depth chart, he's the only one that you can really trust with the ball. He's just got the experience. So that's my sleeper of the century for this season. Just want to throw in something real quick. Uh, I was showing you guys my phone on the screen. Obviously, whoever's listening can't see it. But uh, guess who drafted Frank Gore pretty low in their, on their <laughs> fantasy team? So just wanted to throw that out there. I'm expecting a big season out of him now. He's obviously starting week one now. So I'm going to kill you, Braden, if I lose week one. Uh. <laughs> Right. Well, there you go. So we have your sleepers. Now let's talk about players from uh, past seasons that might have been good picks but are now trending downward. Who do you think fantasy players should stay away from this upcoming season? Arian Foster. Um, can't stay healthy. He's on a team that I, I don't know. I don't trust him. Um, he, he's... I think he was averaging 3.3 yards per carry last year before he went down, which is absolutely terrible. Um, he's not; he wasn't scoring. Now he goes into a, an offense where they have a little bit more uh, depth, a little bit more targets to throw to. Um, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, we have no idea who's going to be the quarterback in Denver, um, and I don't trust anyone. I, I realize they had a pretty a decent season last year with Peyton going down, but Brock Osweiler a little bit better than the 14 QB carousel that they have in Denver right now. So um, I'm thinking about trending them down. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, he can't stay healthy himself. Steve Smith, 49,000 years old. Jordy Nelson, I really like Jordy Nelson. I mean, he's coming off injury. Then he kind of got injured a little bit in – like the first week of practice looks to be good, um, but it just it's really hard to take these people. Matt Forte, another one, Justin Forsett, Jeremy Hill. The Jeremy Hill, he's going to get you all the way down to the two-yard line, and then someone's going to steal the ball from him, and you're, <laughs> you're not going to get a touchdown with him. We're, like, those are the players. They're really big names, so a lot of people who don't listen to podcasts like this, a lot of people who don't go to our sites, a lot of people who don't, invest time in research, they're going to pick these players. And they're going to be very disappointed um, when, you know, 99 yards from your running back, Jeremy Hill, and then Bernard gets a one-yard touchdown and takes that away from him. So um, the big names, but they haven't produced lately, either hurt or someone's going to take their carries and picks. And that's kind of where we're at right now. A couple more weeks to go. Um in the you know preseason, so I mean a lot of things can happen, but a lot of things are already coming into order, and you can kind of see where the season is going to head into just the first right at the beginning. So my next question is kind of a, a twofold question. Uh, so obviously there's different types of fantasy leagues you can enter into, um, but first part of the question: if you had the number one pick in the draft, who would you take? And then secondly, from a strategy standpoint. What do you go after early? Is it a running back, wide receiver, QB? What's your mindset when you go into a draft? It just depends, I guess, uh, how many teams, uh, what pick you have. But if I'm, I, I'm to be honest, if I have the first pick in the draft, 
it's going to be really hard to take me away from either um, Antonio Brown or ODB. Uh, Brown, he does, he has those huge games, but he's also injury prone, but he is the best uh, wide receiver. Um, and it really depends. Like this year, I haven't drafted yet. I'm hoping to get in a couple more. Um, but I, it's starting to you know shift towards a wide receiver type thing. So if I had the first pick, I think I'm, as of right now, unless something comes up, I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver. There's just a lot of running back situations that you can pull up off the waiver wire um, and take the, you know, take the championship that way. Um, so I'm going Antonio Brown, um, Beckham's right behind him, and I'm thinking about going wide receiver, wide receiver to start the draft. Now, at what point do you like to start thinking about taking defense and kickers in the draft? To be honest with you, uh, in the past, what's helped me win, I didn't draft either. Uh, you pick them, and then I'll look at my two lowest you know, picks that I did, and then I'll just stream a defense and kicker because, I mean, it, you're going to – I mean, a lot of people are going to go high up on the Seattle defense even though they've been struggling – past couple seasons and you're you're gonna see that okay uh teams four just took a defense so you're gonna think you have to take a defense i honestly think you can win it and i've won it a couple times without drafting either of them and then picking them up off the waiver wire if i were to draft them i you know i don't know it really depends second to last two picks just depends on i guess the flow a lot of it's going to be the flow of your draft um, so you just kind of got to get a feel of where your draft's heading. But lower down, better if you can avoid drafting them and then figure out two players you can cut and pick them up. I like that strategy as well. Yeah, and I think, like, to your earlier point, it depends on how many teams are in the league. So there's a lot of those bench depth guys that you might have wanted that got taken up earlier, and then you start thinking, all right, it's the later round, so I will go after that Steven Goskowski of the Patriots or go after a Seattle or a Cincinnati defense to kind of ensure that those two spots, you don't have to think too much about them. Uh, so I'm a Patriots fan and I know a lot of Patriots fans and fantasy football fans are wondering uh, what to do about Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo for the first four games of the season. Um, I think it's interesting. A couple of people I've talked to are trying to pick pinpoint exactly where they want to take Garoppolo. They feel like he'll still get drafted because the Patriots have Edelman, they have Amendola, Gronk, Bennett. He's got people to throw to, so he can't do that poorly, we hope. Um, but h- how do you think fantasy owners should approach Brady and Garoppolo this season? Just like last season, I took a flyer on Brady, um, got him real late, and then we all know what happened. The suspension went away, and it helped amazing. Um, I had Cam Newton as my backup, so I was able to trade Cam Newton, um, and I got two good players back. And I had Tom Brady. He went, you know, we saw what he did with Garoppolo. I mean, he's not bad. If you watched him, uh, he's unproven, though. Um, it really depends. A lot of it's going to depend on if, you know, Tom, you're, I don't know, are a lot of your friends in your draft, are they Patriots fans? Uh, so in one, yes, but I'm also in the sports blog, uh, sports blog pool this year. So, so with that, uh, it, yeah, so, um, it really depends on if it's a bunch of friends that are all Patriots fans, it's going to be a crapshoot who takes them. Um, it's just like with fantasy baseball being in the Midwest, 
half of them are Cubs fans. So you can't get Chris Bryant. You can't get Anthony Rizzo because they're going to take them just because they're the fan. So it depends. I think everyone's going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. Everyone's going to go with the big names first. Honestly, depending on where everyone's at, I could see 10th round. Uh, you want to handcuff him. Um, I, I'm trying to get Brady. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I, I won't want to handcuff him with Garoppolo. I mean, it's the same offense. It's the same explosive offense, regardless of what happens. Um, you never know what Belichick's going to do, if he's going to check it down 47 times, if he's going to hand it off or whatever. So that's the only thing. That's when Brady's not in. So later rounds, uh, 10 or higher, if you can, um, I think right around there. But I think Brady's going to go – I think he's going to go earlier than people probably expect, and they're just going to stash him, kind of like Le'Veon Bell's going to go. Um, honestly, Le'Veon Bell's going to go first round. People are going to do that, and they're going to just build around and you know get them. So it really depends on the flow, but I honestly think 10 or higher, and then see what you can do with the handcuff there. That's interesting, considering you know Bell is a three-game suspension and Brady is four, uh, that Brady would fall that far. Um, but as far as Garoppolo, do you think that uh, if you have a two-quarterback system, is he a good pickup for those first four games if you can get him in the later rounds, or should you go the entire draft and hope that you know no one drafts him and you pick him up on waivers? I think you probably should draft him. I mean, he does have – he's got Edelman, love Edelman. He can't be stopped unless, you know, he breaks the bottom of his foot or whatever happened. Uh, you've got whoever's going to be the running back um, looking to be James White now. Um Garrett Blunt, I, I don't know. It's probably going to be White, and then White's going to go down the one-yard line. Blunt's going to bulldoze his way in. Um, Blunt can take the passes as well, so you're going to get points from your quarterback and your running back. Uh, Gronk, he's Gronk. Um, Hogan, he's shown big things. I think he's going to make the team. I think he's going to be um, kind of under the radar as well. I like Garoppolo. I think you're going to take him. I think he's going to get you the points. Maybe not as many as Brady because he's not Brady, but he is – Think about when Brady came in. No one knew who Brady was. He took over the team. Garoppolo could be that, but we'll never know until he gets the opportunity to prove that. So I still think you draft him. Um, it depends. I, I think you draft him, like I said, 10 or higher and go with that. Get a you know backup quarterback just in case you can get Brady and see kind of how it plays out. But everything from what I saw in the preseason game that I did watch, Garoppolo did amazing. And I think it should continue that because he is – he's not – he's a – good quarterback. I mean, just think people were down on Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was there. Aaron Rodgers, we've seen what he does. He came in, he replaced him. Garoppolo could be that. You just got to give him the opportunity. All right. So before we move on to uh, maybe some of your blogging tips, Nick and Joe, do you have anything else for Braden on the football side? Yeah. So uh, is that what you do full-time, dailyroto.com? Is that your like full-time job or on no, the side? No, it's not. I wish it were. Uh Last football season, I was able. Why well, I, I moved? We moved. Mm-hmm. My fiance got a job, and I moved without a job. I was able to sustain myself with DailyRotoHelp.com for a couple months. Um, and no, I have a full time job. On top of that, I get home. Well, before I had writers, I would get home for my eight hour job, and I would work on the website for three or four hours. And she was, you know. Not happy with that because I wasn't able to do a lot of things, but now we're kind of stable enough where I can hire writers, pay them on a monthly basis, whatever we have contract with them. Um, 
And one day I hope that's my full-time job, but for now it's a part-time job, but it's helped us pay for this wedding. So that's, it's helped. Anything else guys? Uh, any, you looking for any new writers? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Are you good with baseball, basketball, football, MMA? Well, NHL, I was just talking about for NASCAR. general, but I'm really good with baseball and NHL would be my two top ones. Might have to talk to you because I have no one about NHL yeah, right NHL now. Yeah, NHL is kind of... Joe's our guys. NHL guy. <laughs> Likewise, yep. <laughs> I have no idea about NHL. I've gone to one um, Iowa Wild game. It was fun. They're not supposed to get in a fight, and they got in a fight, and that was exciting. <laughs> Just drink beer and watch. I've never liked it where you can end in a tie, but, I mean, they kind of curved that, and I went to the game, and it was pretty fun. So, yeah, I've, I can't get into playing it because... There's just not a lot of areas around here, but going to a game, I'd rather do that than watch a game in, on television. All right, so at the end of uh, all our interviews, we like to get the bloggers' kind of take on you know any tips that kind of help them get to where they are. Obviously, you've started two successful sites, uh, so if you had to give any advice to uh, bloggers like uh, the three of us, what would it be? Uh, you got to keep at it. You got to keep going regardless. There's some days. Now, I don't understand some of the days. I've never cracked the very top spot overall. I've cracked the top with MLB. I've cracked the top with NFL, NBA. The overall one, um, it's these pop-ups. It's the ones that get like 500,000 views. You have to figure out your audience. Um, I, it's a lot of social media. Uh, you... I know the soccer, it depends. Like soccer is a huge sport overseas. That's where they're getting their 500,000 views. They're, they run their own you know, Facebook page with a million subscribers. You, and that's what we do. We have a Twitter page. We have a Facebook. You have to um, figure out your audience. Get your social media in check. Uh, we advertise. Advertise, it's like $10. You can put it on Reddit. It'll be a, an ad on top. Um, Google ad. Uh, let's see what else. SEO, if you guys don't know much about that, somehow um, we, in our article somewhere, our wording, I, if you've ever looked at our, the, the intro to every single one of our articles at fantasysportsadvice.sportsblog.com, the exact same thing, just with the date changed. We've hit the front page of Google when you type in like MLB DFS 8 slash 26 slash 2016 or 16, we're like the top two links. SEO is where it's at. Um, we've never paid anyone to dig into it. You might think about doing that. Um, figure out your niche, figure out your audience, and figure out, honestly, figure out Google. That's where you go. Because, I mean, everyone's going to do MLB DFS or Optimal FanDuel lineup for Friday, August 26, 2016. If you have that somewhere in your article or you have something, you're going to do pretty well. I mean, that's what you see. Um, and just continue to do good articles. Uh, people aren't going to want to come just to see like five-word sentences, uh, and that's it, just so you can get views. Have content. I mean, what we do is we give them a preview of our article at Sports Blog, and then I link them over to DailyRotoHub.com. So they're on both sites. They get exposure to both. The longer they stay on there, the more they're going to want to you know, purchase uh, a package, uh, read more. Um, that helps with Google AdSense on the side. Just it took about two years to get where we're at uh, with our feet firm, um, but you got to continue. Some days we get 
someday, like the past two days, I got 2,000 views just on the sports blog page on each article. Um, and some days I get 500. I don't know why. I have I can't tell you why. Um, it seems to be maybe the, the time of day that I put the article out. I put it the night before about 7 or 8 p.m. And it just overnight bl- blossoms. Um, so just continue what you guys are doing. Don't stop. Um, you're going to want to give up. Don't give up. I mean, it will be worth it. Uh, just do what you do. If you want to network with us, you can. Um shout each other out uh you our youtube page has 2100 subscribers uh twitter almost 5000 followers i mean just network with other, like what we're doing right now do that with as many people as you can you're going to be successful it might take a while it might take you know 5 years but it's going to be worth it in the end all right well we really appreciate you coming on uh so at Braden mentioned it. i'm not sure if we mentioned it at the beginning but he is getting married on, on saturday so i am uh, Congratulations. Thank sure everything you. will go well. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Anytime you guys want to have me back on for any fantasy, whatever, as long as it's not NHL, I'm, I'm in because <laughs> I don't know anything about NHL. <laughs> will do. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. You too. You too. You too, man. All right, uh, once again, we just want to thank Braden for coming on. That was an awesome interview, and uh, good luck on Saturday. You're gonna have, I know you're going to have an awesome time, man, and uh, congratulations. Let's, go, let's move into some segments right now. We're going to start off with where in the world is Johnny Manziel. So, guys, where in the world is Johnny Manziel? Apparently, he might be going to Canada. Uh, reports came out today that uh, the CFL said that they would be interested in possibly bringing Manziel over. Um, as of right now, the Hamilton Tiger Cats hold his hold the rights to negotiate a contract with him. So if he d- did decide to go to the CFL, that would be the first team that would get the chance to sign him. Um, I, Tom, I know you were bringing this up earlier. Everyone always br- brings up the fact that, oh, anybody who played in the NFL would probably tear the CFL apart. I mean, I mean good way to look at that is looking at J.P. Losman. He was like MVP of the CFL. But, but interesting thing that you brought up was that they only play three downs and they do play a 12-man defense. So what do you guys think? Do you think if Johnny went to Canada, he'd actually be better than he was in the NFL and possibly be a star? So, yeah, I, uh, I wrote about this uh, this morning for Sports Blog, and I didn't know that. I, I knew the field was set up a little bit differently. But, yeah, it's, a, it's 110 yards. You have a 12th man who plays Rover on defense, and you only have three downs. So I think <sighs> Johnny Menzel is not the brightest ball, but I think we, we can all agree on that. And for him to have to pick up a new system, I don't know if he's capable of that right now. I don't know if he has enough brain cells left after all his partying. I think it's his best shot to ever make it back to the NFL. I think, I mean, there have to have been players who have gone over there and then come back. Um, but I think he, he's just worn out his welcome. He's such a risk because of the domestic violence accusations and his constant partying. And he just doesn't seem like a good guy to have around in the locker room, especially if he's not playing. So I, if he's not of value to your NFL team, then what's the point of having him on your roster? Um, with that being said... Uh, there's a great uh, article that I linked to in, uh, from ESPN, and it's not as easy as you'd think. Like I know people said that Tebow couldn't throw, but 
if you went to the CFL, he'd throw five touchdowns a game. That's not necessarily the case. And the the article was saying how Manziel being a mobile quarterback that would benefit him. I think it was something like NFL quarterbacks only run on like one point four percent of like plays. And the days of Doug Flutie uh, running roughshod around the CFL and being this superstar, making plays with his legs, those days are over. And as the ESPN writer put it, the CFL is in a turbo passing league now, and they pretty much throw on uh, 70% of downs. So Manziel, I think it's his best option, but there's a legitimate chance he goes over there and struggles. And if the distractions in his personal life keep up then i don't think there's uh any prayer of him getting back in the nfl yeah i think i think it's gonna be very tough uh wherever he goes could be playing like in a jail prison or in prison he can play a pickup game it's gonna be hard for him whatever whatever he does chooses to do it's gonna be difficult just because he's been out of the game for so long um i think going to the cfl would still probably be better than doing anything else just because you know, you've seen guys like Doug Flutie and Kurt Warner go to the CFL, tear it up, and then NFL teams actually take notice. So I think he needs maybe a year, possibly two, to be in the CFL, um, get right. And then, like you guys said, it's not easy, but maybe he can develop a, like a good passing game with the team. You never know. I mean, look at Kurt Warner. I mean, that's a perfect example. Obviously, most of the people listening probably know who that is, but similar type of story. Maybe Johnny that could be Johnny Manziel's answer. He's going to be back in the NFL. I just don't think an NFL team is going to sign him. They need to see if he's committed for at least a year or at least to another team, another country. So I think that's the only way Johnny Manziel can get back in the NFL is the CFL. I mean, those are all good points, yeah. I mean, that's probably going to be his bridge back. Although one thing I do have to say – I'm a big fan of Johnny's commitment to trying to stay playing football, playing the one sport he wanted to play. And I think a certain uh, certain Tim Tebow could learn something from him, which kind of brings us into our next segment, Hot or Not. Tom, would you like to take over? Yeah, so my favorite athlete, Tim Tebow, uh, he made a lot, of, uh, lot of news waves with his announcement that he's going to pursue a career in professional baseball. And as Tim Tebow does... He ignited a firestorm on social media of people either just blindly loving it or blindly hating him. Um, I think Tebow gets a bad rap, and a player like Johnny Menzel has earned the negative criticism negative criticism that has come his way. Yes, Tebow is not a great quarterback, but he's also not a bad guy. Usually, if he's a if they're really a bad guy and they, they're just putting up a front. Usually you've heard about it by now. Um, I am all in on the Tebow pursuit of an MLB career. Do I think he'll ever make it to the majors? No, I, I don't. I think it's kind of outrageous to think that age 28, after not playing baseball since your high school, I think junior or senior year in high school, uh, and then thinking you could pick up the game quickly, I think that's overzealous on his part and if he's going to be riding the the bus in single a for the next three years is he really going to want to stick around uh i don't know i don't know what his expectations are in trying to pursue this he's not going to get a triple a contract right off the bat and he shouldn't get a double a contract and i mean if he ever makes it to the majors it wouldn't be till 
age 35 probably, and it's still probably a publicity stunt. Um, but I don't knock Tebow for trying. I think people who get on him for doing that are just hating him because they, they're sick of hearing about him. Nick, what do you have? I'm definitely hot on Tim Tebow to the NFL. Um, I wasn't at first, and then I saw him hitting in the cage, and I was like, holy shit. That looks like a monster, and obviously I'm a baseball guy, so I know that seeing someone hit in the cage means absolutely nothing, but I don't know. I feel like he's determined. I think he can get to AAA. I'm not going to say major leagues. I think he can get to AAA. I think a team will sign him just to you know kind of rack it up in the minors. Like I saw a report that the White Sox didn't want to sign him or like aren't going to be at his workout, and they're fucking dumb for that. Because why not just bring him in for a minor? If he's, like, decent, just bring him in the minor leagues. You'll sell out all your games, have so much media there. Sports Center will probably do a live show from there. And then, who knows? The guy might be good. You know, just don't know. So I'm definitely hot on Tim Tebow playing or trying to go foul for baseball. I think he's, you know, he obviously doesn't need the money. Who knows how his family's pretty wealthy. He's pretty wealthy after working at ESPN the last couple of years. I mean, the guy wants to do what he wants to do. Who, who at the end of his at the end of his life, he can say, "I tried be being a professional football and baseball player." Not many people can do that. So, Joe. No, I completely agree. I think if I'm a, if I'm a general manager or an owner, I'm one thousand percent on board the Tim Tebow bandwagon. I think it's the most low risk, high reward uh, signing you could ever make. And when I say high reward, I don't mean product on the baseball field. I mean high reward in that, like you were saying. Even if he's only playing at single A, double A, possibly triple A, you're going to sell out all those games. You're going to bring in so much revenue just from having Tim Tebow on your on your roster. It's kind of like when uh, MJ tried to play baseball. It was it, he was terrible, but it's it's a, it's a celebrity. Like it brings in it brings in the fans. It, it puts people's asses in the seats, and it would make it would just be incredible for publicity for whatever team would sign him, and. If I'm a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, who has nothing going for them this year, why the fuck not? Sign Tebow to a major league contract, put him in there. You, you already have the lowest attendance in baseball. It might bring a couple more thousand fans to the game. He can't be doing any worse than half your lineup is anyway, so why not? Give it a shot. Let, let the guy play. I, I'm, I'm all in on a Tebow bandwagon. Credit to social media, though, for instantly putting him on the Angels because of his religious beliefs. <laughs> that was a good look. Wait, who who, who uh, said that? Was it just uh, like, all over? Or? A lot of people. Like, all the photoshops <laughs> of him on the MLB roster were just a smiling Tim Tebow on the Angels with a halo over his head. Dude, if he played for the Angels, he would need to play center field so we could have an angel in the outfield. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's all set up perfectly. If you can just hit a baseball better than you can throw a football. Uh, hot take of the century. Tim Tebow would be better than Mike Trout. That is a scorching hot take and one that will not come to fruition. <laughs> uh, but moving on, continuing with our Hot or Not segment, I'm going to go a little Olympics action on you and uh, everyone's second favorite swimmer, Mike, uh, not Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte, who got into a little bit of controversy with his urine and his uh, truthfulness. So uh, what do you guys have on Ryan Lochte? Nick, we'll start with you. Um, definitely not not hot on Ryan Lochte. Um, the guy's an idiot. 
I mean, Michael Phelps destroyed him in the Olympics. He always does. He'll never be Michael Phelps. So I got to go with um, just not anything on him. He's an idiot, bonehead, whatever you want to call him. I just can't support anything he does. So, Joe, what do you got? Gia. I agree with you. Gia. Uh, <laughs> Gia. The, the, guy's, the guy's just... Ugh. I mean, I want to like him because he's American and he he supported our country, or like he, uh, I would be supporting our country because he participated and competed for our country. But the guy's just such a moron. Like, I mean, okay, I do have to say the story that he came up with. Now that we know it was pretty much false, it's fucking hilarious uh-huh. that he's getting. He says that he's being held at gunpoint. He's just like, whatever, Gia, man, whatever. Gia, like, like no. Dude, you're so stupid. I mean, I've been in issues before, not in that way, but in the fact that I didn't want to make my mom think I was doing something, like, wrong. So I wanted to, like, I had to fabricate something to her so that way she wouldn't be too worried about me. But I'm pretty sure that saying that you were held at gunpoint is worse to your mom than whatever you actually were doing. Just a just a small, uh, small thought of mine. To be honest, yeah. I want to root. I would root for Chad LaClose now over Lochte. That's how much I hate Whoa, Lochte. Is that, that's the guy that, that was like showboating against folks, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will root for Chad LaClose over Lochte. Spin zone. Spin zone. Chad LaClose told Ryan Lochte to make that story up to make it look like America was bad so that way he, all the publicity would be off of him for fucking with Phelps. Yeah, maybe LaClose paid him under the table. You don't know. Exactly. See, here, here's my thought on this. Everyone's done what Lochte did. They did something stupid that they were embarrassed about and thought they could get away with it, so they made up a story to cover their tracks, and then they, it was found out, and they looked like an idiot. Usually, you're 13 or something when you do this. It, 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 not 32. Not 32. Um, it, it was just kind of funny how, how quick like the perception of him changed, because... He went from being an idiot and perpetual second place runner up to kind of a badass for allegedly having a cocked gun in his face and refusing to sit down. Whatever, man. Whatever, man. Whatever. To just back to being an idiot and a liar. <laughs> like, he went full circle in like a week. And the best part is he just left. Like, he knew what was coming, so he left. Um, and Esquire Network has been rerunning What in the World Would Ryan Lochte Do? His uh, eight-episode reality show, uh, which is a treat if you've ever seen it. Have you watched uh, any so, of it? Uh, I've seen some sound bites of it. I couldn't bring myself to actually watch it. Uh, but there's a great interview, just as an aside for everyone, uh, where he's doing a promotional tour for the his show. And he went on this like morning talk show like good morning america or something and they were asking about it and he just sounded dumb like he had they asked him like what are you up to like the name of the show is what in the world is ryan lochte up to or what is he doing and he's like you know all these other olympians they just eat sleep and train but i'm different because i like to party and I like to skateboard and hang out with my friends 
And they're like, "If a, how how does a woman get your attention?" And he's like, "Uh, nothing really." And then that was his answer. And then when they entered ended the interview, they the two people interviewing him just crack up laughing, and it just ends with them saying, "How are they gonna get?" a full season's worth of content out of that guy. Hmm. Uh, so definitely a video you should uh, check out. But staying with our Olympic theme, uh, everyone's favorite goaltender, Hope Solo, got into some hot water after losing to some team and calling them cowards. Sweden. Sweden. Uh, so Joe, you're our soccer guy. What do you got on Hope Solo? All right, before I talk about Hope, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Morgan Bryan. I know you're listening right now. You're probably not, but I'm going to say you are. Uh, plays my favorite position, center mid, wears my favorite number 14, and is my favorite player on the USWNT. Uh, Ick. Quick shout-out, you're awesome. Um, okay, now moving on to the relevant topic. It's not a good look for Hope. I mean, that was just... You gotta admit, yeah... You may have outplayed Sweden in that game, but they de- they defended perfectly. They defended to a T, and they, they they played their strategy out. They scored, they did, and then they just sat back, sat back. Obviously, uh, we broke through, but they they just kept defending. They knew they were like, all right, we're probably not going to score another goal. We'll take it to penalties. We'll just do whatever we can. And then they 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 played their game perfectly. They out not outplayed the United States. But they definitely played their game better than the United States played their game. And the fact that Hope can't even admit that is just... It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Because for someone who has played so many games in goal for the women's team, and who's been who's won so many medals with the women's team and so many tournaments, like just to see her just be like such a dick, I don't know, not a good look. And... I mean, the suspension really means nothing. I think the women's team plays a couple of friendlies during that time, and she'll miss those. But like, those aren't like friendlies really don't mean too much at this point. So it's not about the games missed or whatever. It's just about the principle of the matter. And I don't know. It just you would you. It, I feel like it, it reinforces that stereotype that all foreign countries think of Americans as being arrogant and being sore losers. So. That's my take on it. Uh, Nick, what about you? Um, Honestly, just overall, she kind of scares me. And I think she's a really sore loser. Honestly, <laughs> you lost the game fair and square. And she scares the crap out of me. Like, she's like, didn't she beat up her husband or boyfriend? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, she was charged yeah. with uh, domestic so, assault. So, like, all right, let's be honest. She's pretty hot. But I would definitely stay away from her. Like, I don't yeah. know. That's kind of my take on it. Like, she's just crazy. Um in the bad way. Like, I don't think like some, like Kobe, you can say it was like crazy competitively. She is just crazy all around. Like she's crazy. Up, yeah. She's like, might fly off the handle and beat like a fan up. I honestly think it's going to happen. I'm putting like $500 down, that she's going to beat up a fan in the next five years. She got to pull, pull a Milbury. Yeah. Fan shoe off? Pretty much. She's also 35. So I don't even know how yeah. much water. Oh she's yeah. I forget playing. how old she is. Yeah, she's <laughs> but, like 35. Yeah. I mean, I'm of the belief that soccer is never going to overtake any of the major four sports. It's never going to be no. of great interest to the American population. Yeah, don't sleep on it. I I'm think sleeping it, on it. it I, could, I, I, 
I do, I do agree it won't overtake the, the top four. I do think it's going to get a little more publicity, but that's besides the point. Go on with your, with your point, Tom. The main driving force of those people saying that soccer would become greater had the U.S. women's national team to point to because they were the only ones that were successful. They were the only ones who won. Uh, so I think as little progress as I think they've actually made, I think having probably top two, top three most notable player just be a terrible sport for those young girls who are looking to play soccer, I think that they took a step back, which is unfortunate. Uh, obviously, I'm not a big soccer guy, but um, you know these these people like Ryan Lochte and Hope Soul. You know, it's it's funny to laugh at them and you know be an observer, but they are supposed to be representing our country, and it is a bad look. And meanwhile, you have people like Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps who are doing great things and are a great story. Um, so it's just unfortunate that you have those detractors to uh, pull attention away from from that. Uh, yeah. Quick, uh, quick little uh, aside. Have either of you ever heard of Christian Pulisic or Emerson Hindman? Oh yeah. No. No. Uh, well, you will. They're think of them as the next uh, popularity Charles wise. <laughs> popularity wise, think of them as the next Dempsey Donovan. Who are they're, they? They're going to be they're going to be household names in. Probably four or five years. For Can USA? What's up? For Go USA? What do, who do they play for? Yeah, they're, um, Pulisic is either 17 or 18. He's currently playing for Borussia Dortmund, which is one of the top clubs in Germany, but he's a United States national team member. Emerson Heinemann, I believe, is 20 or 21, and he's playing for Bournemouth in the Premier League. So two guys who are really hyped for to do great things with the national team. They're going to make the USMNT great again. And they're going to bring us a World Cup in 2018. Doubt it. Book it. Joe, I just want to say that whoever you gave a shout-out to, and you said, I know you're listening right now, for all I knew, that was just one of your friends or someone you worked with, so I actually thought you were giving a shout-out to someone listening. <laughs> uh, I did not know that they were an soccer, actual soccer player. Right now, so. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so we're going to go to our, our last topic, uh, which is top five. The... Uh, Topic of this week's top five is the top five most common NFL preseason overreactions. So, Nick, do you want to get started on your list? Yeah, sure. All right. Starting with number five, it's going to be all the media people that attend practice and their assessment of the teams. Um, one of the best sound bites I heard recently was one of the Bears' um, uh, guys writes for the Tribune. In 2007, he said the Bears had a great preseason and it looked like the team was going to the back to the Super Bowl. The Bears finished 6-10, and 10, okay? <laughs> then, the okay, so in 2010, he said he thought the Bears had an awful season and that they were like going to win five games, and they went to the NFC Championship game. In 2014, when the Mark Trestman-Phil Emery disaster imploded on itself, he thought they were a playoff team. They went five and eleven, so I hate all the media people. Um, I love the predictions, but I hate all the media people that practice saying like, "Oh, they look good. They're going to have a solid year based off eight training camp practices." Um, my number four would be um, overreaction would be 
the starters playing in the third preseason game. Um, just because they don't use real formations and things of that nature, who knows how they're going to look in the regular season. So I really don't care what preseason game it is. Being the NFL like lover that I am, I'll still watch because I'm a sucker. But I take zero, like anything I see in the preseason, I do not take an account heading in the regular season. Um, number three would have to be the hype around Adam Gase and the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to stink, like, bad. I think Tannehill is garbage. Like, people are saying, like, oh, if Gaze can turn around color, he can turn around Tannehill. Not going to happen. I think the Dolphins are going to go 6-10, and 10, something like that, because the Patriots, Bills, and Jets all have very good teams. I thought the Bills could have made the playoffs last year. Um, I think Tyrod's very good. No one's beating the Patriots in that division, but maybe they can grab a wild card. Number two would have to be Josh Gordon, um, just like the hype surrounding him. He's either going to screw up or he's going to get traded. So I really don't know why people don't understand. It's kind of like a Justin Blackman type thing. So until he plays a full regular season without anything happening, that's when I'll believe in that. And then number one is the preseason itself. I think the preseason itself is stupid. I think teams should be allowed be allowed to have as many practices as they want in the from then in July until September 11th, which is when the season start. Have as many practices as they want, and like be allowed to have scrimmages with other teams, like how the Bears and Patriots set up. They had a uh, three week or uh, not three weeks, one week practice, three practices in a week um, against each other, and then that I think you're better able to assess teams then. You could kind of go into formations and stuff because you know the other team is just worried about themselves and not when it's on a preseason. Preseason games are useless. Um, I just think the whole preseason format is overrated in itself. So, Joe, what what's your top five preseason overrated things? First of all, I, I like that getting rid of uh, getting rid of the preseason. That's a pretty hot take. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's just I'm so sick of like these games like. Like, two weeks ago, or last week, when the Bears were playing the Patriots, I'm like, oh, it was, like, probably, like, a week until, like, the regular season. And then it's, like, still September 11th. I'm like, oh, my God, almost a month still? Yeah. It's just, and they're, like, useless. Like, sure, I like seeing, like, Connor Shaw, like, the third QB on the depth chart, throw last-second touchdowns just as much as the next guy because nothing is on TV. But it, they just need to figure out something that's better for the team-wise and gets the team more prepared. Because if you ever notice something about the first two weeks of the NFL season, it's garbage football. Unless you're the Patriots yeah. or one of these top teams like the Panthers, there's so many penalties in the games, it's honestly hard to watch. But you watch it because there's nothing else. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, again, also, before I get into my, my top five, can we just quickly talk about how Caleb Sturgis got a concussion from getting hit in the head with a punt? <laughs> we weren't on, we weren't on last week, so we weren't able to talk about it. But that I was I was doing my football draft during that um, I was doing my fantasy draft during the that Eagle Steelers game, mm-hmm. and I just like came up on the TV and was just like, "Oh, Caleb Sturgis unable to to play tonight because he got hit in the head during practice with a punt, or during like, warmups with a punt or whatever." But kickers are athletes. Don't forget that. They, they are. They are indeed. All right. So let me end my list. So uh, my number five, I'm going to go with this is the year that the Bills finally overtake the Patriots for the AFC East. I feel like people say that every year. The Bills get off to a 2-0 start. 
then they'll go two and six and then finish the season eight and eight. Uh, I do think the Bills are gonna have a good year, but like, come on, they're they're not gonna overtake the Patriots. Uh, number four, the whole Joey Bosa situation. Like, I feel like that's just getting with what happened yesterday with him uh, rejecting the Chargers. Uh, best contract, and then the Chargers pulling it out. It's getting a lot of media attention. I don't know. I feel, I feel like people are bringing that up or putting a little too much weight into that. I don't think that that move is going to be the like him not playing the full season is going to be the make or break for the Chargers this year. I don't think the Chargers are that good of a team to begin with. So you know, you know, it's still summer when that's one of the biggest stories in the NFL right now. Like I don't know. It's just it's 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 weird to me. Number three is the unnecessary quarterback competitions that you think of, like, like you were like you were saying, Nick. You'll see like uh, Connor Shaw throwing around touchdowns, and you'll see some people seriously living. Oh, is he going to overtake Cutler this year as the starting quarterback? Oh, uh, is this really terrible backup? He's never he's never started a game in his career, but he's doing pretty well. Maybe he'll overtake Russell Wilson. People just like I feel like the preseason is just like hot take central with. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to the backup, backup third string, fourth string quarterback situation. So that that kind of just like grinds my gears a little bit. Uh, number two, we're gonna go with hmm. this. Is, this is a little tougher than I thought because I feel Nick, you took at least two of mine. Uh, hot fix. We're going with a top four for me. I'm just gonna go with my last one. We're going to go, uh, oh, Tony Romo looks healthy. I think he's going to play the full season. You know that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest overreaction in NFL history. Tom. All right, so a lot of mine have already been said, too, but I think uh, number five has to be just the Garoppolo is going to overtake Brady. Oh, God. Controversy. Yeah. It's dumb. He'll be there week five, and. Everything will go back to normal. Better be there week five. As a quick, as a quick side note, Tom, did you hear like when the Patriots and Bears are practicing that the Bears were like really looking at Garoppolo and that like could be an option for them down the road? Do you see Garoppolo leaving? Like they're all the into rumors say he's leaving after not this season but the next season when he can finally be a free agent. And obviously Chicago would be on his radar, hometown type thing. But uh, do you think that's possible, or do you think the Patriots are going to find a way just to keep him? Maybe like an Aaron Rodgers, like Brett Favre situation. But right. Well, if, if I'm remembering correctly, I think when Rodgers eventually started, he was still on his rookie contract. Yes. So Brady's 39, and you can just tell in his press conferences when he's not getting all the first team snaps and he's not, Belichick didn't let him play in the second preseason game. He's pretty pissed about it, mm. and that's a good thing because he—I I think he has that fire to play more than any other player in sports. Like he is driven to the max. Um, but we've seen it before with Richard Seymour, with Bledsoe, with Larry Malloy, with Ty Law, with Logan Man- Mankins. These respected veteran players. There's an ugly divorce, almost always. Um, there's very few instances under Belichick where we haven't gotten rid of a beloved player when he was getting up there later in his career. 
I don't know that Brady will accept not being the Patriots quarterback on his own terms when that time comes. And let's be realistic. It happened with Manning. It happened with Montana. It happens. Great players play past their prime. Brady will not be the version he was last year, the last two years, forever. So he can say he wants to play until he's 45, but is he going to be as effective as he is now? No, absolutely not. He might have another two, three good years in him, but I don't know. I think Garoppolo, it's, it's, even with the four games, it's going to be such a small sample size to say, yes, he's the heir apparent to Brady. And I don't know if I believe Brady will retire following the 2017 season. I think that the guy that they drafted this year, Jacoby Brissett, he was recommended to him by uh, Belichick, was recommended to him by, uh, by Bill Parcells, another uh, person close to Belichick. He seems to have all the intangibles that the Patriots look for. Um, so, I mean, he has this season and next season to show what he's got in practice. Uh, he play, He's performed pretty well in both preseason games, so maybe he's the option. They let Garoppolo walk. But if Garoppolo uh, performs well, then the Patriots could potentially get a first-round draft pick for him. So there's a good shot that he gets traded to another team and signs an extension there and then doesn't even hit free agency. So to answer your question, I, it's kind of tough to say because the better he plays and the more attractive he might be to the Bears, the greater the potential he gets dealt to the Browns or someone uh, before the deadline or this offseason when RG3 gets hurt or sucks. Um, so it's kind of tough to tell. Uh, but I think the Bears are, if he does hit free agency, I think they're right atop that list of potential suitors for him. Yeah, for sure. I just don't know. Like, I feel like Belichick doesn't care. Like, like not that he's a dick, but he, like, literally, when Brady's done, he'll kind of be done. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think he, like, cares. Like, he understands that, like, as good as Garoppolo is, like, there's literally never going to be another Tom Brady. So as long as Tom wants to do it, Tom's going to be the the guy, and then the next guy just kind of kind of be thrown to the side, traded. Because they could get a lot for Garoppolo if they chose to trade him this offseason, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and the thing is, the four games he has, that's a lot more than a lot of these backup quarterbacks are getting big deals. Right. Like, he'll, Matt Flynn played well in one game. Yeah. And he got three, four 15, opportunities in $15 million, $15 million dollars yeah. for the Seahawks. If Garoppolo plays well, which first game of the season against the Cardinals and a, a strong defense, it's going to be tough. Yeah. But the Bills, yes, you have Rex Ryan, and yeah, they're going to blitz the hell out of him. But he has the weapons. He has Gronk. The Bills are also missing half their defense. That's true, too. And, I mean, the <laughs> Rex hired his brother to run the defense, so that's not a good thing if you yeah. ask the Cowboys, Browns, and Saints. Um, but, yeah, it, Belichick... I see him. I mean, again, it dep- he's up there in age. It depends on when Brady decides to retire. But as much as Brady's concerned about preserving his legacy and not letting what he did to Bledsoe happen to him, I think Belichick is just as concerned. And the fact that he was a below-average head coach before Brady, the opportunity to continue to have success without Brady to kind of just drive in the point that he kind of is responsible for Brady and not 
his success is is a result of Brady's, I think that will be very appealing to him. Um, so I think he is invested in the long-term future of this team. Um, although a big storyline to watch is the fact that a lot of our young defenders who we've set up to kind of make sure the team is in good hands should Brady fall off a cliff are unsigned with uh, Jamie Collins. The big four, well, the big four was Chandler Jones, but they traded him. But Malcolm Butler, Jabal Sheard, Dante Hightower, and Jamie Collins, they're all coming up on needing contracts within the next few years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think we've uh, we've <laughs> run long in this, so I don't really have many more interesting things for my top five, so I can just skip them. Uh, and we can uh, wrap this podcast up. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, just one more one more point in the whole Garoppolo thing. If he, if he performs well in those four games, look for him to point to Brock Osweiler as the contract that he would be looking at. Oh, definitely. Osweiler, he played in, I think, six games last year as a starter. Went either, I think he went four and two, maybe. And he's getting $18 million a year. Or 18 or whatever it was. What was it? Was it four years? Seventy-two. 472, yeah, so like 18, 18 and a half or whatever a year based off of six starts. So if he performs well on those, you, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to see Garoppolo pointing towards that. And also, defender you didn't mention was Barkevius Mingo, who the Pats just picked up today. Which I, I is a, love. That's a, that is a great move by New England. Oh, he's going to be a star. People have, so New England loved him and they wanted him. They were working on a deal for him uh, long before today. Um, he's a freak athlete, and he was playing fourth quarter snaps in preseason with the Browns. And he was playing special teams last year. People are instantly pointing to Jabal Sheard, who looked like he had good potential. Never really lived up to it in Cleveland. Patriots signed him for not a lot of money in free agency, and he had eight sacks last year, whereas he only had two the previous year. Previous year at the Browns. Mingo is more of a project, but Belichick is definitely up to the task. Like I think he has yeah. the potential to be a star, and the Patriots really need it because, yes, they have a good defense, but they're injured. Nikovich has torn triceps. Sheard is hurt. He has an MCL injury. They lost Chandler Jones. And if anything happens to Malcolm Butler, then we go from a top five, top ten defense to probably middle of the pack to in the 20s. Um, the, the depth at cornerback is not great. Justin Coleman is not great. We have a rookie in Cyrus Jones who's slated to start, start in the slot. So there's still a lot of question marks for as good as the, the Patriots are on paper. Um, but I'm very excited by Mingo. And also there's a, a fun fact that I was uh, touting on Twitter today. The Patriots signed five former first-round draft picks this offseason alone, which is crazy to think about. Insane. Yeah, it was, if I can remember, it was Mingo. They traded for Jonathan Cooper. So Mingo was six, Cooper was seven in the 2013 draft. You had Donald Brown, who they just released this week. Chris Long, I think, was number two. Yeah. Uh, and then Shea McClellan <laughs> of the Bears, who... Uh, from what I've heard, has definitely not lived up to his uh, number 13 overall selection. But no, again, no. I think given Patricia and Belichick's pedigree, I think he can turn into a very serviceable player. He can turn into the next Rob Ninkovich uh, with this team. 
And that's the thing with Mingo, too, is that there's a reason he was picked sixth overall. Part of it might be because it was the Browns that were picking, but he's got the potential there. He's got the raw potential, raw talent. It's just refining it, which is something that I think if any coach can get it out of him, it'll be Belichick. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, I think that's about it. You guys got anything else to add, or? Um, I just since we weren't here the last week, I kind of just want to touch very, very quickly on VC Watch. Obviously, Jimmy VC. Vessi. Most. Is it Vessi or VC? Yeah. I I I've heard it pronounced both ways. Oh, oh I don't know. I think I it's. Know. I think you're right. I think it's VC. It's VC, uh, really? Yeah, I think so. God, I don't even that's, want I, that's what I've heard. Well, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> so Jimmy VC was a, a talented, or um, he interviewed with seven different NHL teams. Both my Islanders and Knicks Blackhawks were in the running to sign him, and that then he the pulls an idiotic move the and Rangers. signs with the Rangers, who are. Did you hear that sales pitch too? I guess Liam Neeson told single, him. Yeah. Every single fucking celebrity in New York was tweeting at him to come to the like, Rangers. How do you like, not apparently, like... it worked. But they're they're the most forward heavy team I've seen. They have about seventeen I... NHL caliber forwards, especially after signing Brandon Peary today. Oh, they signed Peary and today. I want. They to... signed Peary. Yeah, they brought ben, they brought Peary in. Oh. Who, fun fact, of of I think four hundred and fifteen qualifying players, he's thirteenth in the last couple of seasons in goals per sixty, mm. which is insane. But they have so many forwards, and then their top two defensemen after McDonough are Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl, who one of them's terrible and the other one is blind in one eye. So, interesting choice by VC. Uh, again, just wanted to touch on that really quickly, acknowledge that. Um, other than that, I think I'm good. You guys good? Yeah, I just want to touch quickly on, so uh, for those of you who don't know, we are currently running a uh, Twitter and Facebook promo for a free copy of Madden 2017. Uh, so we originally had planned to announce the winner tonight. Uh, but what we've seen is uh, we, we've talked to some of the people who've entered the contest uh, who've said that they've reviewed this podcast on uh, on iTunes. But uh, it looks like iTunes takes a couple days to update those uh, reviews. So since we don't have the full group of people, we don't want to leave anyone out. So we are going to delay the announcement. We'll likely do it next week as long as everything goes according to plan on iTunes. Uh, so that the good news is that there's still time to enter. Uh, so definitely go to our Twitter handle at Blogger Sports and uh, look at the uh, contest details on how to enter. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, we're a little rusty. We were coming off of uh, two weeks. I know I've had a little uh, slip-ups today, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep working and we'll get back to it next week better than ever. We have a great guest for... Uh, all the Boston listeners, we have Bird from Toucher and Rich, and uh, I'm sure that's going to be uh, an electric interview next week. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, that's it for me. So if you guys are good, that concludes the Sports Bloggers podcast. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.